Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 61st program in this series. In this program, I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, and I'll be starting in verse 45. This is right after Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead for more than three days. Jesus has resurrected him, and there were a lot of witnesses. There were a lot of people who knew this family, many Jews from the surrounding areas. They came in order to give comfort to Martha and Mary and to participate in mourning the loss of Lazarus. So there were a lot of people here, according to the record that we have. And when Jesus arrived, he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus walked right out of the tomb. They opened the tomb and he walked out. And then in verse 45, this is John chapter 11, verse 45, it says, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Well, why wasn't it all of the Jews who were present there? Why wasn't it all of them? It appears that many of them did. But by using this word many, it does give the impression that there were some who were there who didn't believe in Jesus. Now, how could it be that someone would refuse to believe in Jesus even if they see, they watch him, resurrect somebody from the dead. Lazarus was dead and Jesus resurrected him. This was a public event. It was very public. How could it be that someone would watch this happen and they would still refuse to believe in Jesus? Well, there are a couple of questions that need to be answered. For example, the first question is, what would it mean to believe in Jesus? What are they going to really believe? Are they going to believe that he can resurrect people from the dead? Are they now going to believe that he's the legitimate king of Israel? I mean, what does it really mean to believe in Jesus? That's the first question that needs to be addressed. And then the second question is, why? Why would they not believe in Jesus? So let's start with, what would it mean to believe in Jesus? The first thing that you need to recognize is what Jesus was claiming. He was claiming to be the messianic king of Israel. He was asserting that he was the representative of God who was there to solve the problems for the nation, the national problems. That was what it meant to be the messianic king. 
Now, he provided enough evidence to also show that he is the living God manifested in the flesh. So just with those two things, you have two different options. You can believe in Jesus as the messianic king. You can believe in Jesus as God himself who is manifested in the flesh, who is dwelling among us, who is participating in our daily lives, who is teaching and guiding and leading people into truth. Those are different ways that you can believe in Jesus. Would anyone have believed in Jesus as the person who would die for the sins of the world? It's unlikely. It's unlikely that anyone would have seen him in this context at this time as the one who would provide for the forgiveness of sins for the entire world. Did anyone believe in him in that way, in that context? These are some issues that need to be worked out. What would it mean to genuinely believe in Jesus? They could simply believe in him as he is the guy who can resurrect people from the dead. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus in the sense that if somebody dies and he decides to resurrect them, then he can do that. I believe that Jesus is the one to call on to solve this kind of a problem, especially if the person has already died, because as we can see with Lazarus, he decided to wait until Lazarus was actually dead before he showed up. But we can believe in him. We can believe that Jesus can do this. So when it says many of the Jews saw the things Jesus did, they believed in him. Well, we have to define a little bit more. What does that really mean to say that we believe in Jesus? Without a clear definition of what it means to believe in Jesus, it could very well mean very little or nothing, nothing of genuine use or purpose, nothing that would be in the interest of Jesus himself. So Jesus could look at a large collection of people, maybe a hundred people, and all of these people make the claim that they believe in him. But there is a probability that very few of the people, very few of these hundred people that are before him believe in him in a way that he really wants them to believe in him to the extent that he will have an eternal relationship with these people. Does Jesus want to have an eternal relationship with someone who only believes that he can resurrect somebody from the dead? Is that enough Is that the scope of the relationship between that person and Jesus? Jesus only exists to resurrect people? That's what he's good for? That's who he is? That's his role in people's lives? Does he want that? Is that all that he wants? Of course not. Of course he wants more. He wants people to know him, to know him personally. And he wants to know them. And he wants to participate in their lives. And he wants them to participate in his life. He wants mutual participation in the sense that we will do things together. We will live our lives together eternally. So where is the line that divides between those people who Jesus 
is willing to have an eternal relationship with those people who believe in him, or there are people who may very well believe in him, but he's not willing to have an eternal relationship with them because they don't believe in him in the way that he wants them to believe in him. What is that definition? What is that dividing line? We don't have enough information to know specifically how he will make that decision. But what we do know is that he is a kind, a loving, and a good God, and that whatever he decides will be the right decision. Our decision is to continue to pursue a knowledge and an understanding of what he is offering to us and of what he wants with us and for us to embrace the fullness of what we are able to discover concerning the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And I believe that if anyone pursues that with great sincerity, he will provide the answers for those kinds of questions and he will honor a person's sincerity in wanting to believe in him, in wanting to know him, and in wanting to be a part of his life. So continuing into verse 46, in verse 46 it says, But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. All right, some of them went. Well, who went? Did the people who believed in Jesus go? Or did the people who did not believe in Jesus go? We don't have enough information to know just who went to go and tell the Pharisees what Jesus did. So let's consider both possibilities. The first possibility is that these are people who believe in Jesus and they are going to tell the Pharisees, Hey, guess what Jesus just did? Let me tell you. This would be an exercise of bragging. They're going to go and tell the Pharisees, Hey, you people have had this attitude towards Jesus, but let me tell you, let me tell you the latest. This guy just resurrected Lazarus from the dead. He was dead for four days and Jesus showed up and resurrected him from the dead. Jesus is definitely the Messiah. He's the guy who you people should be believing in. We are bragging about the fact that we believe in Jesus and we are expressing contempt towards you because you don't. You are definitely in the wrong in this case and we have traveled all this way and we have found you. We have taken time out of our precious lives to inform you that you people just don't have it right. That could be some of the Jews who could have gone there and told the Pharisees what happened with this kind of an attitude. But then there could be the others, you know, the others who were there and they chose not to believe in Jesus. Why would they choose not to believe in Jesus after he resurrects this guy in the dead right in front of them? Why would they not want to do that? 
because of the consequences that they will have to endure if they acknowledge that Jesus is someone who they should believe in. What kinds of consequences could they endure? What we have to ask, and we don't have these people available to ask them, how would this change your life? But you can consider the people who are alive today, and you will find that many of the reasons are similar. For example, what about people's friends? If you have a person who is confronted with the reality of Jesus, a person is confronted with the reality of Jesus, this is a person who does not yet believe in Jesus, but is now being confronted and now has to make a decision concerning whether they're going to believe in Jesus or not, and what will that really mean? How will that belief be defined? If they are confronted with this decision, then you have a person who does not yet believe in Jesus. This means that they have friends. They probably have a lot of friends who do not believe in Jesus. So if this person decides that they are going to believe in Jesus, it probably won't be very long before their friends find out that this person has changed their point of view, has made a decision to believe in Jesus. And what if these friends don't want to make this decision themselves? Or they have made a decision that they have rejected Jesus. Well, now there is the opportunity for rejection. And you know, there are a lot of people who ridicule those who believe in Jesus. There are a lot of people who speak negatively about those who believe in Jesus, and they might have some good reasons as to why they would show contempt towards those who believe in Jesus. They might have some good reasons, but the point is is that if a person decides to believe in Jesus, they are now going to be faced with the fact that some of their friends may not like them anymore that they might lose some relationships over this. If they have family members, people who they see often for various family functions, and these family members do not also believe in Jesus, then they could be faced with a lot of contempt and ridicule and other negative communication that will be expressed towards them, or they might have to deal with other people talking about them when they're not around. In other words, you become the topic of conversation when you're not around. These other people are going to talk about you and how stupid you are, how ignorant you are, how much of a fool you are because you now believe in Jesus. Don't underestimate the significance of peer pressure, of social pressure. This is an issue that people will have to struggle with in many cases. And this can be an obstacle that a lot of people simply do not want to get over. To them, it is more important to keep their relationships with their friends that they presently have, it's more important to do that than to believe in Jesus and embrace eternity with him. And so this is a real issue. This is a real consequence that people could be faced with. 
Now, during this time in history, there was a real political consequence to believing in Jesus. Jesus was a threat to the Romans who had asserted power in this region at this time in history. He was a threat to them. He was a serious political threat to the Romans. And as a consequence, because of the disruptions that could take place if there is a conflict because of Jesus, there could be some serious economic consequences that could result from a conflict that could take place between Jesus and his followers and the Romans. And so because of these consequences, these potential consequences that could result if Jesus is asserted as the Messianic King, a lot of people would refuse to believe in Jesus because they did not want to endure the consequences that they would likely have to endure if Jesus was asserted as the Messianic King. Now, when it came to the leadership in the temple, in the temple compound, when it came to the religious leadership and their influence over society there in Israel, when it came to the leadership, they were under tremendous risk if Jesus was recognized for who he really is. There was tremendous risk because the religious leadership there in Israel and all the other Pharisees and rabbis and everything that had to do with religion and Judaism and the faith there in Israel, all of this had an association with or had ties to the temple in Jerusalem and the temple priesthood in Jerusalem, and the chief priests governed the priesthood there in Israel, and there was a high priest who governed the chief priests, and the high priest at this time in history was appointed by the Romans. The Roman government appointed a high priest over the temple compound, who then had authority over the chief priests, who had authority over the priests, the regular priests, who did the work in the temple, and the Pharisees depended on the priesthood in the temple in order to function in the way that they functioned. And so if there was any corruption from the top, it would filter all the way to the bottom. And there was. The Romans had appointed Caiaphas as the high priest, but he was not the real high priest at this time. Annas was the true recognized high priest of the nation according to the Mosaic law. Caiaphas just so happened to be the son-in-law of Annas, but Caiaphas was given the authority to exercise the role of the high priest there in Israel, and he was put in power by the Romans. And so the Romans assigned Caiaphas to this position. They effectively told him, yes, we know, we understand that according to your law, according to the Mosaic law, 
You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be the high priest. But we are deciding that you will be high priest, and we are going to make this decision by force. If anyone wants to protest, if anyone wants to complain, if anyone will not comply with your decisions, then they will have to face us, and our troops will solve that kind of a problem. And because you shouldn't be here, we just want you to know. That if you don't make decisions that we want you to make, or if you make any decisions that we don't like, we're going to replace you with someone who will make decisions that we approve of, because you shouldn't be there anyway. And whoever we put in your place, they shouldn't be there anyway. Annas is supposedly the true high priest. We're just not going to let him fulfill the role that he really has here. We are going to use the power of the sword to exercise our influence and our authority to make sure that all of you religious people will comply with what we expect. And if Caiaphas fails the Romans, they will appoint somebody else to take his place, and it's easy to do because again he shouldn't be there anyway. So who will Caiaphas? Be loyal to? Will his loyalty be with the people? Of course not. Will his loyalty be with the living God? Of course not. His loyalty will be with the Romans. His loyalty will be with whoever the Romans put in place to be the ultimate authority there in Israel, in Jerusalem. That's where his loyalty. Will lie, and he will be well paid. He will be compensated for fulfilling this role, for taking on these responsibilities. He will enjoy compensation. But if he strays away from what the Romans want, then he will lose this position. He will lose this compensation, and yes, he will have to go find himself. Another job. That is what he would have to do. But he's not alone with all of this, and that's what I was referring to with the other kind of Jew, the other Jew who may have gone to speak with them. Again, in verse forty-six. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Some of the Jews might have gone. In order to brag about what Jesus did, but others could very well have gone in order to beg that the religious leadership there in Jerusalem do something. Otherwise, there could be a serious disruption in the economic and political climate that they depended on. And so, in verse forty-seven, then the chief priests and the Pharisees. Gathered a council and said, "What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation." That's what they said. They said we are concerned. 
that the Romans are going to take away our place and our nation. They were expressing the fact that the Romans allowed them to be in the positions that they were in as long as they remained loyal to the Romans. But if the people embraced Jesus as the messianic king, there would be war, there would be conflict, there would be some serious problems, and the Romans would identify these leaders as being people who were not competent, who were not capable of dealing with these kinds of problems, so the Romans would put other people in these positions of authority who would solve these problems in the way that the Romans wanted these problems to be solved. And in verse 49, And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. This is the man who was appointed by the Romans to keep order, to keep things under control, and to tell them they know nothing at all is a way of saying there is only one solution. And I will explain this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 61st program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spoke about John chapter 11, verses 46 to 48, where I spoke about the significance of some of the Jews going to the religious leadership in Jerusalem to tell them that Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Some of the Jews could have gone in order to brag about what Jesus had done, but others would have gone in order to beg that the religious leadership do something about Jesus because he was threatening them with tremendous political and economic risk because the Romans would not tolerate the Lord Jesus continuing to do what he was doing or the whole nation would believe in him and there would be war. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.